let me do a bit of myth busting for you. These surgeons who are portraying this as the gold standard, they ain't doing an all on block procedure, okay? Because it's virtually impossible with a normal, healthy capsule to remove all of it and not cause a pneumothorax or destroy the breast tissue. Hello, ReFam, and welcome to Keeping It Real, the only plastic surgery podcast that matters. This week, we're talking about breast implant illness. Recently, discussions around the topic have resurfaced with a vengeance. There's been newspaper articles, documentary, discussion boards, the whole nine yards. If you have implants, you've definitely heard about breast implant illness. You've researched it, you've talked to your surgeon about it, you've possibly stressed about it. But what exactly is it? Why is there so much controversy around it and so many unknowns? I'm joined today by Dr. Richard Bloom and Dr. Kim Taylor to discuss the ins and outs of breast implant illness. First things first, what is it? So this is something that's been around for decades, pretty much since breast implants were being used. So it's a constellation of symptoms which are general in nature that are, are called constitutional symptoms. So things like headache, fatigue, blurred vision, uh, hair loss, a whole lot of things, mental fogginess, which don't seem to be totally related to breast implants. But there is a very small number of women who develop these symptoms after they've had breast implants. And unfortunately, of those women who do get it, there are, there are some who are very, very vocal and active on social media groups uh, to um, talk about this condition, um, which then possibly influences other women. So are all the symptom, symptoms quite, not general, but you know, could be applied to a litany of other illnesses or sickness. Exactly. So they're often symptoms which are related to sort of inflammatory type diseases. So sort of things like arthritis and SLE, rheumatoid arthritis. So they're very, very general and there's maybe a bit of a crossover. There's a lot we probably don't know about it. I'm, I'm sure it probably it is a real thing and it does impact a very, very small number of patients. Um, and, and But unfortunately there are some women who uh, of, are of the belief that uh, plastic surgeons are deliberately trying to poison women with breast implants and cause deliberate harm, which is clearly nonsense. We've seen a huge resurgence in the rhetoric around it recently. You know, there's been documentaries and uh, newspaper articles, a lot more focus on it. You've mentioned it's been around for decades, Richard, but Kim, would you say that there's just more like more people are talking about it so there's been more cases now or has it stayed pretty steady? I, I think definitely social media and online forums in particular have played quite a significant role um, in this. Um, one, in that it's actually got a name. So that host of symptoms probably 20 years ago didn't have a name. I'm not sure exactly when the breast implant illness descriptor first came up, but I would say it would be at some stage in the last 10 years probably. Um, and so, yeah, when you can put a name on something, then you can search for it and um, patients come in and there's a list, I think, of around 50 symptoms. And it, as Richard said, they're, they're quite 
um, you know, and on any day of the week, I probably have um, a number of those, and I don't have breast implants, so it's it's difficult to say, yeah, absolutely, you've got some of these symptoms. It's definitely due to your um, breast implants, but I think awareness, and it's with everything that we do that that there's a lot more awareness of uh, these things, and so, and as Richard said. It, you know, it's not something that we deny exists. It's impossible to test for. And if someone comes in and says, I've got this host of symptoms and I want my breast implants out, then, you know, my response to that is sure. But taking your implants out may not fix all the problems that you have. Most of the patients, by the time they come to us, and the the most recent one that I can think of, she actually loved her implants. She loved her appearance and actually really didn't want them out. But she said she'd be feeling crappy for a couple of years and she'd had every blood test and every other test known to man done and they were all normal. So she was kind of like, look, I'm sort of at the end of my tether. I kind of don't want this, but, you know, can you take them out and at least I can see how I go. And she was very sensible and very realistic and and I, I did my normal consultation with someone that comes in with these sort of symptoms and say, look, you know, absolutely happy to remove your implants. Um, absolutely no guarantee that what you're describing is going to improve after that. And have you heard back from her? Has she had? Um, yes, yeah, so I have. I've, I have taken her implants out and she's doing okay. Like probably not, you know, it's not the, you know, overnight transformation. Like I feel, I feel amazing yeah. now. Um, so, but again, it, you know, sometimes there are, uh, online and forum reasons uh, for for that. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've I've had two patients of mine ever who've presented with these types of symptoms, and interestingly, they both followed exactly the same course. So, they went to their GP and told them that they were having symptoms, and their GP said, "I oh, told them put a name to it called a breast implant illness." and told them to write down in a diary any symptom that they had. Then they made an appointment to come and see me. And by the time they came to see me, they both had a, almost an exercise full book of symptoms. And so I went through all of that and I said, look, some of these things just sort of just normally happen. And I, I stopped writing the diary and stopped attributing everything to the breast implants uh, and let you know, let's reassess things in a couple of months. Well, one of them said, actually, now you mentioned it, like I actually had a lot of these things before my breast implants. And the other one, I actually made an appointment to see a rheumatologist. And by the time her appointment came up, her symptoms had resolved so to such an extent that she actually didn't go to the rheumatology appointment. So I think you can get to the point, as Kim was saying, where you're just totally focusing on everything and, you know, you stub your toe and it's like, okay, well, that must be because I've got breast implant illness. And it's easy to find stuff when you're looking for it. Uh, absolutely. And as I said, you know, if you look at that list of things, um, and I'm sure, you know, R- Richard probably has some of those symptoms as well and <laughs> definitely doesn't have breast implants. Not every day. Who would you say or is there a more common demographic of people that are coming in with this illness or is it just pretty varied? It is very varied. I mean, I, I don't know that you can categorise them, these people as a specific personality type. And I'm sure there is an element of some women who, for reasons we don't understand yet, do get these symptoms and they do get better when you remove the implants. 
And I've certainly had patients who've come to me and they've had surgery elsewhere and we discuss it and we remove their implants. And I think pretty much every single one of them have got better after their implants have come out. And, you know, there are a multitude of reasons why that might be, but I don't, I don't think there's any particular reason. But I think Kim and I don't see a lot of it because I, we both discuss it in the pre-surgery consultation and we acknowledge it. We, we put it into perspective. We explain that it's been around for many years and known about and people have researched it and that we may get to a point down the track where you've got symptoms that after every investigation and reviews we cannot explain and that we might need to remove your implants and that may or may not help. And so I think when that is already on the table, before you've even had your surgery, I think that is would be one of the reasons why we just don't see patients coming back with these sorts of problems. Recently there's been quite a bit of controversy around it. Is there being a reason as to why there's been a large uptick around it? I think that patients sometimes feel like maybe that they're not getting acknowledged or listened to to the extent by health professionals. And um, as Richard said, it's not something that we say we don't believe in at all. Um, it's, it's not actually a classifiable medical diagnosis. However, if someone presents describing these symptoms and attributes it to their implants, then we have empathy and we'll discuss ways to deal with that. I think one of the biggest controversies that, that in my mind is that particularly coming from these online forums is that the, the recommendation that they are saying to cure this is not just removing the implants. It's talking about removing all of the capsule. Now, the capsule is a normal body's response to any foreign body within it. So we just did another podcast where we're talking about lap bands. So patients that have a lap band, patients that have a pacemaker, patients that have any other foreign body that implanted into their body, get a normal response from their body to that foreign body. And what the body makes around it is called a capsule. So it's like a little layer of scar tissue. And the easiest way I have ever explained that to myself and my patients is that it's a protective layer that sort of walls off that foreign body from the rest of the body. And Don't so, you call it a glad wrap? <laughs> I was going to get to that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the body's normal response to having a foreign body. And so it, it makes a reaction um, because that's – a breast implant, um, even whether it's filled with saline or silicon, has silicon on the outside of it. And so the body sees that as foreign and forms a little scar around the outside. In most patients, um, when you go back in to remove the implant or if if you're reoperating for whatever cause, um, the capsule actually looks like glad wrap. And oh. it's the, my easiest way of describing what it looks like in the inside of the body. So if you imagine a sheet of glad wrap that's essentially melted or stuck onto your steak, for example, it's it's very, very thin, it's transparent. And if you were to say to me, with my glad wrap melted to my steak, remove every little piece of that, and you know, I think I'm a reasonably good surgeon, um, it's extremely difficult and it's also unsafe. And so the, the thought that by removing every little piece of this scar tissue is going to cure someone 
is I think where the controversy mostly lies. Um, a lot of these implants are under the pectoralis muscle. So that thin layer or the glad wrap is is on the rib cage. It's on the muscles that help you breathe. So to try and pick off every little piece of that is is normally actually technically impossible. But it's it sounds not, really dangerous, right? Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not willing to take that risk of breathing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so it can cause yeah damage to the muscles, um, a lot of bleeding, damage to breast tissue. So breast tissue can be inadvertently removed in trying to remove all of this. And it's part of the body's scar tissue. So I used to do a lot of hand surgery and patients would come in and have plates removed from their hand. There's scar tissue that's made around those plates. You never, ever try to remove all of that. In fact, you generally don't try to remove any of it. And so it's a similar it's a similar sort of tissue. So it's hard in my mind to try to explain how that scar tissue is the 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 bad thing. I my belief and Rich is with me on the same page is that we any capsule that looks abnormal uh, absolutely we will remove that um, and any tissue that looks abnormal that gets removed and sent off to the pathology lab to get tested but re- trying and attempting to remove any uh, other part of it that's normal um, one impossible and two unsafe so what what Kim's alluding to so people talk about an on block resection this, this is a cancer term okay so th- this is a term we talk about when you're removing a nasty cancer and you want to take the whole cancer out and and a, a rim of tissue around it. So this is not that scenario. There's no evidence at all to say that an on-block resection is more beneficial in terms of reducing the symptoms than just removing the implant and removing any diseased capsule. And unfortunately, there are some colleagues of ours who have seen this as an opportunity to um, market themselves as uh, experts in treating um, breast implant illness. And they've created this false impression that the treatment is that this is like a cancer and you need to you need to remove the whole capsule and the tissue around it. And as Kim has alluded to, firstly, it it's not so simple. S- secondly, you're introducing a whole lot of more risk to the procedure but patient they create this fear and then patients feel that they're not getting an adequate treatment and let me do a bit of myth busting for you these surgeons who are portraying this as the gold standard they ain't doing an on-block procedure okay because it's virtually impossible with a normal healthy capsule to remove all of it and not cause a pneumothorax or destroy the breast tissue. So they may be saying to their patients they're doing an on-block, but unless that is a very thick disease capsule, that is almost impossible to do and very dangerous. So they're doing exactly what we're doing, except they're calling it on-block and they're telling their patients an on-block and they're very loud and they're very promotional and entrepreneurial. It's a marketing scheme. It's It's marketing. So why do you think that it has become more prominent? So there's a term called an availability cascade. So what that is is a self-sustaining chain of events which often just starts with a media report of something that's relatively minor and then leads up to public panic and, you know, large-scale intervention. 
So, so some, so like a media story, and we see it, and there are some popular TV shows that do this, and it it attaches the uh, it catches the attention of a segment of the public, which then becomes aroused and very worried, and then the emotional reaction in and of itself becomes the story, which then promotes more coverage in the media, which then produces greater concern, greater involvement, and then the cycle is often. As, as we've talked about, is then sometimes sped along deliberately by availability entrepreneurs. So individuals or organisations who work to ensure that there's a continuous flow of worrying news and then the increasing exaggeration in the media then perpetuates all of that problems. And then anybody like Kim and I who try and dampen that down and put a bit of a reality spin on it and explain it we're then accused of being deniers and covering it up and the whole issue just becomes politicised and gets lost in all of the emotion. And so that's part of what's going on. So you'll see around town and in Sydney in particular, there are clinics that are set up like breast implant clinics where they're so-called specialising in removing implants in patients who have breast implant illness and there are people who are doing research into breast implant illness. Like all of this stuff has all been looked at um, and it's all just alarmist and just causes, I think, in many cases more harm than good. My final question is what would you say to people who are worried about it, worried about it so that they don't want to have surgery and worried about it because they already have implants? Go and see your surgeon who put the implants in. Go and talk to them, explain the symptoms. There is no plastic surgeon I know who will not be empathetic, who would who would refuse to refu- remove your implants. But the place to start is to explain it. There may well be something else more serious going on. There may be another condition not related to your implants and it needs to be investigated. So generally we would assess someone, often maybe some imaging, an MRI or an ultrasound or a mammogram to look at the actual implants, make sure there's not go- nothing going on. Uh, We may order some basic blood tests, but then often a referral to a rheumatologist to make sure that there's no other underlying disease. Then after all of that, if there's no other explanation and you you want to have your implants removed, we will remove your implants. Um, And then it's a matter of waiting and seeing. And the other thing I would say is stop reading so much online, less of the Dr. Google and um, try to focus less on the symptoms. So I think as Richard was saying before, that the keeping the diary of every little thing, sure, if you if you are significantly unwell, then absolutely. But if you are trying to attribute many symptoms to something, you will find that as a problem. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery.